Okay. okay. I'll defer to you. Age oh, or beauty. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's that. good, right? Okay. All right, good. Okay. And that's the intro. Body too, it's good. Exactly. That's the intro. And with that. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Sirtos. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we don't really need an intro past that. Um, so... We are here again for a season three episode. Uh, Thankfully, I am back with Evan because earlier today I just recorded a podcast solo, which I was the whole left side of my body was sweating the entire podcast, feeling much more comfortable right now. Um, So we're here. We're rolling. How about you guys take it away? Introduce yourselves. Let us know uh, who you are, where you're from, and we'll get started. Okay, well, my name is Christos Pantieras, and I live in Ottawa, Ontario, in Canada. And I am an art, I'm a visual artist, and I'm also an educator. I work in the public school system. And I have been involved in Greek dance for, uh, I guess, like most people say, pretty much most of their lives. So I've basically been involved in in, uh, Greek dance since I can remember. Hi, I'm Maria Kouluris, and I am from Ottawa, uh, Ontario, Canada as well. Uh, Really happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, So by day, uh, I work in the public service. I work for Health Canada, the manager. Um, And so that keeps me exciting. Uh, But I guess my true passion or what I enjoy to kind of keep me busy when I'm not working is, uh, you know, dabbling with Greek folklore. And I've been involved... You know, with uh, with Greek folklore since a young age, starting at the age of six, and you know, I'm in my 40s now, so it's been a, a long, a long career, and I'm happy to to be here and have a you know healthy conversation with you guys. Um, welcome to the podcast. Um, with everybody we have on the podcast, I mean, the, one of the most important things that um, I feel like we all can learn from each other is why we do it. Um, Although the answer tends to have a similar um, piece that ties it all together, the the underlying reasons really are what, you know, make us each individual and unique. So I'm excited to hear um, what what it was for you that got you excited about Greek dance. How were you introduced to it? Um, and how did that develop and turn into what it is today, this, this passion that you have? That's a really big question. Um, (laughs) I think the best way to start answering that is thinking about it in terms of different stages of your life. Um, Because when I was a kid, um, and I'm talking like before 10 years old and into my teenage years, I was at Greek dance and I pretty much got involved because my parents were involved, particularly my mom. She was one of the organizers um, in our community. So Maria and I are both, um, we grew up in the Hellenic community of Ottawa and we're the only community in, in, in Ottawa. So that just kind of gives you some context in terms of how we're set up. So there's only one community center. There's only one Greek Orthodox church. So it was basically like home base for everyone. And, um, and so our parents uh, who immigrated here uh, really um, got involved in, in the Greek community and in various ways. My dad's been president. My mom's been involved in other associations. I have two older brothers that have been involved 
in different ways too. Um, all of us went through dance. I'm the one that's kind of stuck with it. But um, I, I just remember my mom was heavily involved and we just kind of, that's where they took us. You know, they, mm-hmm. they really just, you know, we went to Greek school, we went to Greek dance, all that stuff, whatever we could do to stay connected to our culture. So I would say as a, as a kid, it was more social for me. It was a really good opportunity. It was fun to go. Um, we always had great laughs when we were there. Um, some of my closest friends have been made through Greek dance. So it was a really nice party. You know, we'd, we'd get together, we'd be there, we'd laugh, we'd dance, we'd spend an hour or two together. And then we'd look forward to it to the next week. And that was pretty much it. And um, But then as, as life kind of went on, um, things changed. And I went through, I, I am older than Maria, so I've um, seen some more changes than she has. By like a she, day and a half. <laughs> I don't, Maria, Two more days, I don't Maria, know, actually. I'm just teasing. Um, no, but, th- you know, through the Hellenic community, there were uh, various teachers that came through. And, um, you know, there was a bit of a revolving door. And so... I got to experience, and, and one would say that that's a good thing in some ways, because I got to experience learning from a variety of people. Some people that came in from Montreal, other people that um, happened to be from Greece, but we're now living in Ottawa, or even people that grew up in our own community who kind of took the mantle. So, um, and, and again, it was really all about just having a good time. It really wasn't mm-hmm. at that point, you know, it really wasn't about um, keeping true to, well, I, I say this, uh, you know, cautiously in terms of like staying true to one's roots, because as time went on, we came to realize that some of the dances or if not most of the dances that we were taught were really not um, we're really not authentic. And so we came from this, yeah, we came from this generation in Canada where there was this whole push towards choreography, um, you know, learning dances that, um, when I look at, when I look at videotapes back and I will say the word videotape because they're on VHS, <laughs> you know, we, I look back at them and it's like, what is that? You know, yeah. and it, that does not exist. I don't even know, you know, that might be a familiar name, but the dance itself doesn't exist or the dance and the name don't exist. They were just made up. And I'm not exactly sure on the history what that influence was. Um, I think, and this is my personal opinion, I think there was a bit of a push to move away from tradition and kind of embrace something that was considered quote-unquote modern. Mm-hmm. And, and so we just kind of recycled the same dances. There was never really anything new. And if it was new, it was someone coming up with an idea and throwing it in. Mm-hmm. And so what happened happened was over time, um, you know, then I hit around 19 years of age and I'm not sure how, how it was for, for you guys in the States, but for us, uh, at least in Ottawa, if you were 19 years old and still in dance, you were considered a fossil. You know, you were you're like, yes. why, why are you still in dance at 19 years old? That's when you're supposed to retire. Yes. And, <laughs> and that was big, but you know, Um, what happened with us is that, you know, we became this really close knit group of friends and we just kind of continued. And I remember that one summer. So in Ottawa, you know, our performance opportunities were were limited to kind of the standard multicultural festivals that were happening here, Canada day performances, um, long weekend performances, like Mm -hmm. the Victoria day long weekend in May. 
And then Ottawa hosts this big uh, Greek festival in um, in August that lasts 11 days. And yeah. so, yeah, we're the, we're the largest um, Greek festival in North America, to my understanding. And so that would be the goal, right? Like we would we would start uh, practicing in September. We would move to, you know, our goal was what are we doing for March 25th for Independence Day? And then we'd be on Greek festival and, you know, mm -hmm. dancing throughout the circuit within the city zone. And um, I remember one summer we were dancing at the festival and uh, we were going to be, and we were saying, okay, we're done. You know, we're quote unquote retiring. And, um, and then they brought in this other teacher and uh, he actually brought some new things to the program um, and, you know, made some interesting changes. Again, when I look back, um, a lot of the stuff was uh, drawn from different, different influences. Some were very authentic. Others were, you know, a little bit embellished. But, you know, there, he did bring a really good uh, rejuvenation and that kind of kept us in there. And through the time, um, and you can tell me to stop at any time because I can keep going about the history. <laughs> um, you know, over time, what happened was um, our group just kind of, again, just continued because we were we became these really good friends. And, mm -hmm. you know, there were there were kids that were younger than us that were coming up the ranks. And then we started teaching those younger groups. And um, and then because you know, we were losing leadership in our group. Um, I was one of the ones that actually took over the reins, just um, almost just kind of, um, just kind of fell into it. Just naturally, you know, mm -hmm. I was, I was more and more interested in it. And, but the way it kind of shifted was, you know, again, we were just kind of performing things that we knew, um, not really paying attention to uh, really focusing on something that was uh, grassroots and authentic. And what happened was, and I think now I, I was kind of in my mid twenties. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, we had started, for, you know, befriending people from other dance groups in other cities. So they would come to our festival in, in, in the summertime. So, you know, we've know we know Peter Bunakis, uh, through La Troupe Folklore, Greg Sivdaki, mm -hmm. um, you know, other groups from Montreal came, we had some groups from Toronto that came and then we would go to Kalinomia, which is a bi-yearly um, Greek folklore seminar here in Toronto, well, in Toronto. And we would go to that and we would learn some new things and, you know, we would, our network would expand and um, we would, you know, meet some great teachers and they would teach us some things and we bring it back and to, you know, to the best of our recollection, we would teach what we knew and we would go with it. But I would say the thing that really influenced me the most was uh, my friendship with some dancers from Toronto who are involved with the Parados y Hellenic Dance Company. Um, and, you know, specifically Dora and Debbie and, uh, and Father Ted and uh, Stacy at the time. And uh, because they started Paradosi and they were looking to create a group that was going to be different. And it was going to be one that was going to be as grassroots and as authentic as possible. And it, I have to admit, I was a bit jealous because Ottawa and Toronto mm -hmm. are four, four to five hours away by car. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I remember I didn't really know them that well. And I remember communicating with Father Ted and emailing him and just kind of asking, you know, so when are your practices? I want to audition and I'm willing to drive down and drive back the same day. Like that's, that's how much I wanted to do something different. 
-hmm. And, you know, I saw their group uh, launched and what they were doing. And I, I will say they were the reason that that inspired me to to look beyond what I knew and to really dig into um, research and see how things can be um, presented differently. And so I started going to more workshops. I started going to workshops in Greece. We started bringing teachers to Ottawa. The Hunnic community of Ottawa was very supportive. And I have to say, um, I was, you know, even though I was functioning under a community umbrella, I had a lot of autonomy. And so, you know, I was able to um, kind of put, you know, what was my goal with the group? What was my vision? And, um, and, you know, and it was to actually grow the group, make it into something that Ottawa's never seen before, where we would actually integrate singing, we would integrate instrumentation, we would focus on getting costumes and so on. So um, at that point, our group had, uh, over the years, we had uh, adopted a name. We were called, well, and still is called the Odyssey Dance Troupe of the Hellenic Community of Ottawa. And so what happened was um, we we brought in some teachers to kind of help us with some with some dances, uh, with learning new repertoire. Um, and I had approached the community with my idea of I want to take the group to a new, a, a new level. Um, we want to buy some costumes because we were using the same costumes from the 1980s, which we're also becoming like a mixed bag of like, take this, you know, take this Madili, throw it with this costume. As long as you have a Madili on, who cares? Right. Um, so they were, they were extremely supportive, but they were also not handing things out. They said, we will support you. We will cover X amount of the cost, but you need to fundraise the rest. So, which was really good because it really got us, it, it gave us ownership. So we, we went and we raised the money. They, we ordered three sets of new costumes, like a full set of Metaxades, a full set of East Aegean Islands, and um, a set of uh, Kalimina, uh, Island, uh, sorry, Kalimino's costumes. And this was the first time costumes had been bought in for, for the Greek dance groups in a long time. It wasn't the only time because during my time, you know, going through dance, there were, you know, a, a few, some Amalias here, some, some other costumes there, but um, you know, so I, we, we actually put in an addition process as well, which, you know, had its merits, but also had its drawbacks now that I look back at that. But um, we started a training group, you know, we really wanted to up the ante and change the professionalism of how dance was looked at. And then we had this kind of recital and where people paid to come and see us. And uh, it was in our Greek community. They, you know, very cheap, 10 bucks, come see, <laughs> you know, in, in retrospect, we should have charged more, but um uh, you know, come and see our new dances and our new programs and our new costumes and see how the group is changing. And I remember um, we opened up with our East Aegean program and it opened with two songs. All the lights were off. The girls were holding these um, candles actually lit with flame. And it was just, you can hear a pin drop. And we just blew them away. And, you know, we were excited because something new had started. And that's kind of where 
things started heading and um and, and I'll stop right there because I can continue going where, you know, what the, how the group evolved from there. But that's basically, you know, from start to the point where I was more involved in making sure it's authentic or as authentic as possible, no choreography, you know, uh, costumes that represent the actual region we're performing, some instrumentation where possible. Um, that's, that's where that happened. And I believe Maria, you can correct me on the date. Um, I want to say like early 2000s or maybe one of those maybe or, four. Yeah. So, you know, that's when, that's when it was. I think, I hope so. I, it's been so long now, but that was kind of like, we took the group in a whole different direction and, um, and then it just kind of grew from there. There's so many things you touched on that I'm just like, <laughs> I want to unpack that. I want to unpack that. But one of the first, one of the first things you were saying about how like um, dance back in the day was just so choreographed and these yeah. versions of dance that were taught. And I mean, I remember back to my childhood and we, we did this dance that to this day, I don't know what the actual name of the dance was supposed to be, but we call it the elephant dance. Cause <laughs> we felt like we were elephants, like shaking our trunks and yeah. Um, you know, like now that I look back on it, I'm like, okay, well, I know where that dance was probably taken from and manipulated into what it was, but we certainly did not do anything authentic about it. But um, Adi Yortzidis talks a lot about this whole phenomenon throughout North America, Canada, USA, um, about how like the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s, dance was just dumbed down so much to try to make it more mainstream, um, to make it fit in, not just in America, but also European culture too. Greeks in Greece dumbed down dance to make it exciting and tourist friendly. Um, so he talks a lot about that phenomenon. It's, I think it's a wonderful thing to see where we were and for us to say, wait, hold on, hit the brakes we need to do this right. And yeah. the phenomenon that has just swept over so many dance groups to bring that authenticity back is a beautiful thing. And I also love that you push through that whole 19 is the retirement age. <laughs> 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 that was the same thing for Maria and I growing up. It was the dance groups were you dance through high school when you graduate high school. Okay. Yeah. We don't need you anymore. And it's like, yeah, we put all this time and effort into learning to be good dancers. And then by the time we're actually like in a point in life where we could actually be good dancers, you just give us the boot. Yeah. I've well, never what, understood so. what that's about. Right. The whole, like, why does Greek dance need to have an expiry date, like an age <laughs> in North America? And I don't know if that's true. Like, I mean, I certainly like, I, I want to say that it's true. Like here in Canada, for the most part, like it's almost like there are groups that have older people, mm -hmm. but usually you kind of have that, you know, late teens into their twenties. But I don't know if it's the same in the states. Like I didn't think it would be as much, but maybe maybe it is. Like hearing from you guys, my experience with with you as groups is, but it drives me crazy. I have to be honest with that. That whole idea that you know, like once you're in past twenty five, like almost now, it's like oh, you're still Greek dancing. Like it's almost like why are you doing that mm -hmm. and then you go to greece and then you see these groups and they're way older and it's mm -hmm. so, and it's so authentic and it's so and you know like it's i just don't understand how 
who came up with that rule or why that rule came up? Or is it that, you know, learning about your culture has an expiry date? And, you know, Chris said something earlier, and I think it's true for, for most people. Like if anyone said they got into Greek dancing as a kid because they really wanted to learn how to Greek dance, I'd be surprised because that's not really the case, right? It was like the idea that your parents are like, oh, it's, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever night of the week, right? And I don't want you loitering in the street like some hooligan. And so we're going to go <laughs> to Greek dance so you can be with other people that are like you because I don't want you associating with people that aren't like you because I don't know their parents. I don't know who they are. I don't see them. Are they good kids, right? So your upbringing is that, you just go and you hang out with people that are like you and you learn about your culture or you learn about your culture through someone else's experiences and eyes, right? Because if you're learning dancing and it's been choreographed or changed, you don't know whether it's authentic or not, right? So it's someone else's experience that's being shared with you, but somehow it connects you. It makes it okay. And so you know, and I think, you know, Chris kind of did a, a really good job of it. And I, you know, my path is very similar to his in the sense that like as a kid, you go to Greek dance, you make friends, you know that once a week, twice a week, three times a week, you're going to see these friends, right? You don't see them every day. You don't go to English school with them, but you get to see your Greek friends at certain times of the week, you know, and it becomes this like, oh, I have Greek friends and then I have non-Greek friends. And I have like this secret life where we do things and then a non-secret life where I get to do be normal, right? Or, or whatever that perception is, right? And then you kind of go through it. And I, I don't know if, if it's the same with, with you guys. I'd be curious to hear, but then you know, as a kid, you go, you don't have a choice, your parents make you, and then you you start to have an opinion that you can express it where your parents might feel the need to like maybe listen to your desires. And if you don't want to go to Greek dance, maybe they'll be like, okay, I'm not going to force you to go, uh, even though I think it's important. And so I think like there's that fine, like there's a bit of threshold. If you can get past the age of 12 to 16 and you can still go, if you're still going to Greek dance, and I feel like that's like a significant hurdle in, you know, a young person's life that you may have successfully retain them but then how do you retain them past the age of 19 is almost like another challenge sometimes right so i don't know if it's the same for you guys but it's for me i find it so fascinating that you know there's an expiry date there's only certain things you can do um and then of course like i kind of want to unpack a little bit with you guys too that whole idea of like the you know 70s 80s 90s versus that choreograph movement why is it that we have to to modernize? Why do we have to take what's authentic and beautiful and change it and compromise our cultural values to somehow belong? Like, I don't get that. I mean, I get it, but I don't understand why we think we need to do that. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go to, we're going to go back to that. And I want to dive into what you were saying about that 12 to 16 range. Um, It's something we talk about with a lot of, instructors, directors, is how do you inspire kids to have that aha moment? Because everybody has that moment where you're like, you go from doing dance because you have to, to, oh shit, this is amazing. I need this to be part of my life. And how do you make that moment happen? But I want to, I want to hear a little bit more about your story, Maria, what your journey through dance was what inspired you and where your passion yeah. comes from. I mean, 
It started very similar to, to Chris's, right? As a kid, I'm the oldest. So, you know, I have a younger sister. She's seven years younger than me. Um, and so, you know, it was like you, you go to Greek dance. My parents, you know, were like Greek dance, Greek school, Sunday school, that whole connection with your, you know, with the community. And, and Chris kind of already, you know, mentioned that we only have one community in the city. So that's where you're there. It's where you go. And so that's, that's where I went. There wasn't much of a say. And I'd have to, you know, to be honest, I have to say that as a child, like I enjoyed Greek dance, but I didn't love Greek dance. My like, um, love for Greek dance did start to build the twenties till I might, till I was in my twenties, which is quite late. And after university to be like honest with you. Right. So it happened much later and it was a different experience, but you know, like you kind of just go through the motions, you go to Greek dance, you perform the multicultural circuits. It's exciting. It's fun. You know, you feel like you belong, right? You belong to your community. You're contributing, um, you know, you're contributing to that promotion of the Hellenic culture to other people. Um, you know, and then in retrospect, cause I don't think you realize it so much, you know, as a youth, that that's what you're doing, but that's what you are doing. And it's a beautiful thing to, to do that. So I took a break from Greek dancing, you know, when I was, um, when I started university, you know, scheduling just didn't work. And so I took, you know, about four years um, off or so. And then I remember my, by this point now, my, my sister had already kind of gone through and Chris was, you know, was teaching them at that point. And, you know, it was probably even more than four years. Like, you know, I think like, yeah, I was probably maybe my mid twenties, so maybe twenty five. And I remember you guys present. I don't know if you remember. You guys were going to Toronto, and Paparazzi was having a gala, and you guys it was in the middle of winter, and you guys were going to go. And so my sister, you know, was going to go, and you guys were like, "Oh, you should come too." And I'm like, huh, "Why would I go to a?" You know, like I honestly remember, like, "Why would I want to go to a folklore party? Like I haven't Greek danced in so long." And so I thought, "Oh, you know what? Like, whatever. It might be a, a fun time. So, like, you know, why not?" And so I went, and I remember. Like Parados, he you know, put on a gala and they had brought down Kiriakos Moisidis, but he wasn't with Kiklos then. He was with GK Fotiadis. And so they came down and they performed. And I remember they had a live band. And so like Tasula Cosmidu was playing the Dauli. And I was like, Chris might remember, but I was like, what is happening right now? And what is that <laughs> instrument? And like, I totally want to learn how to play that instrument. I should also like backtrack. Like I was in orchestra when I was a kid. And I really wanted to play the timpani, but I played the violin. And I thought like timpanists were like amazing, right? Because like you're just banging that drum. So I think I saw Tasula and her Dauli and I was like reliving that moment of like my teenager years where I wanted to like be a timpanist, right? And so I was in awe. I saw a very different, not at all what I expected, right? And so by this point, you know, like Chris kind of explained that whole connection with Paradosi, but... I had no idea. Like I just went for a weekend to go to Toronto with, you know, some friends and, you know, Chris was taking, you know, the group down to have a good time. And I did not know what I was getting myself into. And it changed my life. And in, in such a positive way, because I was like, you know, like not that I was like geeking out over Tasula, but I totally was because I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And that summer, I think, Chris, uh, you went to Greece to do Kiriakos workshop and you ended up bringing the Dauli back. And I literally yep. was like, I'm going to learn how to play the Dauli. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to come back to Greek dance. And so really like 
you know, Chris talked about, you know, his influence being, you know, like Dora and Debbie and Father Ted and Stacy. But my biggest influence was actually Chris because he, you know, don't talk. Don't talk. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, because, you know, he told, I didn't even know, guys, that there was this authentic, you know, um, authenticity that we had. Like, I just knew the dances we knew and I had no reason to not believe they weren't authentic. And all of a sudden, like, my world was rocked and I thought oh wow like there's so much beauty happening here mm-hmm. and you know Chris made me audition to come back I didn't get a free pass I had to audition you got it so yeah. it's important to note that Maria and I go back I didn't mention this at the beginning we go back a long way because her my aunt is her godmother you know mm-hmm. we were friends growing up yeah. I'm Maria Scubato, you know, so I yeah, have to be very I get careful about pass, conflict of, I know, conflict of interest. <laughs> you were my Cubato then, but it's true, right? So I had to audition and, and do the whole thing. You know, there was no free pass. And, and then and then I got to experience something entirely different, right? And then just mm-hmm. to, you know, appreciate my culture in a way that I hadn't been appreciating it. And then realizing the disservice that we've been doing to, you know, to, you know, Greek Canadians or to anyone really by watering down our culture, by not talking about, you know, the authenticity. Like, you don't water down your history. I mean, you shouldn't, mm-hmm. right? Like, historical events, you should be watering that down. And yet, we do that with some cultural elements. And so, mm-hmm. that's kind of my, uh, you know, my process. And then, you know, how I kind of got back to Greek dance. And then, you know, the boring stuff, which, you know, like under the Hellenic community of Ottawa, I was the director for the program for over 10 years, you know, and with the Odyssey Dance Troupe, you know, we did a lot of work um, with Chris, like Chris was the artistic director, but, you know, he had a committee um, that worked on things. We did a lot of wonderful things from, you know, productions to doing cultural exchanges. Like There was a lot of really, you know, things that I look back that I'm very thankful and grateful to have experienced. And I'm grateful that we got to share those experiences with, you know, other youth and, you know, young adults in our community. Maria, I feel like, um, what you said, like, like what was your hook to come back and like your experience? Um, I think this happens when you have somebody who is leading a group and I'm going to use a word and I don't mean it in the way it sounds, who is young. And what I mean by that is who is connected age wise to the people who he or she is teaching. There's nothing wrong with like, you know, the kind of like dusty teachers who are like, have taught, you know, everyone, their kids, their grandkids, yet there's a disconnection there that becomes so apparent in not necessarily the material, like obviously that that's pretty, that can be pretty blatant. Right. Um, but just in very much in terms of like the, the why, you know what I mean? Um, and I think when you find, or when you have an instructor or a director or somebody who has a similar why, um, to yours, that is in the same time frame that's that connection you know i think that's that's what keeps people in or what brings people back because if it was like some like super you know 
lovely person in the community, but a lot older. And you were like, oh, okay, I'm not going to go with like Miss Barbara over to Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, I could, that may not have been the hook, but um, I don't know. I, I probably don't have an answer to that, but it's, it's so interesting because um, the uh, podcast that I did today, we talked earlier, we talked a lot about cultural appropriation versus appreciation and the whole idea that you said about and both of you said this about like watering things down um or or changing them or you know like you could even say like americanizing them or whatever even like europeanizing things like what what ev was saying earlier is um, you know like every group has their strengths and weaknesses right and and it's I think, you know, you kind of mentioned about like, oh, I, I, I liked your comment, Maria, about how, you know, you have to see, you have to somehow relate to the person that's going to be teaching you or seeing you. Somehow that makes a connection, right? And, and I think that, I think that's true. I think that's a fair comment because, you know, it's like Kiria Varvara is teaching dance and you don't know, like, you know, you only see Kiria Varvara on Sundays at church and, you know, she's like, whatever, let's say 60 or 55. You don't have that connection, right? And so I think it's it's important that you do and it's about that retention right and like that's a struggle I find how do you retain and we talk about that sweet spot of getting them like through you know keeping the, the, the kids the youth right 12 to 16 okay then maybe and then how do I then keep them past 16 but then how do you make them like members that contribute and I talk about like not contribute like by showing up, but how do you pass the mantle? Because the mantle is work. <laughs> the mantle isn't like, here's a pad of paper, off you go, right? It's like you actually you invest a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I want to say that it consumes you, but like, you know, I think Chris can attest that like it does. It's, you know, you have to be on top of it and you know what you know you certainly don't know everything. And so you have to always be pushing the boundaries to learn more. So bringing someone to the table or to the dance floor, rather, to be more appropriate that, <laughs> you know, the, the youth or these young adults see themselves into isn't always easy. It's hard because like you're competing with so many things. You're competing with my kid has jazz and tap and hockey and mm -hmm. basketball and after school activities or birthday parties or I don't know, whatever, but all these things. So how, how do you get Greek dance to become sexy, right? Mm -hmm. Enough to compete with, you know, I'm sending my kid to hockey because they're going to be in the NHL. And last I checked, there is not a Greek folklore league <laughs> where right. we like make a living, right? And so no one wants to send their kid to like, you know, Greek dance. It's just that pastime. It's just a hobby. It's not something, you know. I think just to add to, or maybe answer or what Maria was just commenting. Um, and I guess, Evan, this goes back to what you were saying in terms of how do you kind of keep keep the kids in or keep the dancers going and have this continuity. Um, I actually believe nowadays, and I know there's going to be probably this, 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 these few years of just rebuilding groups um, mm -hmm. because of all the, um, you know, circumstances we all have to deal with. But I think the best way to really hook a teenager into Greek dance is to take them to the events, you know, like take them to in Canada, in May, and then in the opposite May in uh, Montreal, Maria, I forget, you know, 
fotografía. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, both of those are great workshops. They bring in teachers from, from you know, from Greece. From They're just amazing. But what is most important is that kids will see that there's people like them, their age, that are loving this. And then they just start making friends. And I, I think that's the way to go. You know, just, you know, they need a purpose. We're going to perform. So we're doing this, we're working towards the school, yeah. but then we're also going to go to this workshop. You need to go to the workshops, but by the way, we're going to the dance tonight and you're going to be there until 3am dancing. It's going to be great. And you know, like that's the kind of stuff I think would really help bring um, the students into this longevity. Those, those type of events are really the closest thing we have in North America that recreate that immense community that Greece just naturally has when you're in the Blatia and like all this music and dancing is just happening because it's the feast day of your village or whatever. Like these events bring that energy to life here. Mm -hmm. It's the closest thing you have to it. Um, but another thing I wanted to build on this whole um, conversation about age and being able to relate to your students. Um, Cause it pulls together another podcast we did with um, Anastasia Zumberakis mm -hmm. and her husband out in California and the mentorship program that they created um, so that their students who wanted to take dance to the next level as they got older became um, mentees in this program teaching side by side with an older, you know, more seasoned instructor. Um, but it, it taught them how to be teachers themselves, but it also, I mean, with what we're talking about now, like that is really that bridge between maybe the instructor is 50, 60 years old. Um, but that knowledge is invaluable and you don't want to discredit that, but you have, you know, a 20 something year old student that wants to learn how to teach and take it to the next level. And they're able to make that connection with your teenagers. Um, and it just, it makes the dance more relatable, mm -hmm. but Absolutely. We did I mean, something similar to like that to that program. So when I was, you know, director with the Hellenic Community um, a lot of what you know, dance school, Hellenic dance school, we kind of um, set up like a like a TA, like a teaching assistant, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, you want to teach dance, but you don't necessarily have, um, you know, the knowledge or the repertoire. So the best way to learn it is to go, you know, work with instructors that are already in place, and so. It was a good way, like we actually were able to turn those TAs into actual teachers. And I think that's, you know, that was a success in it, in it, in itself. And I think, you know, even when Chris had started teaching too, Chris, I remember you guys would teach in pairs, right? So it was like you and Dean and Epi sometimes, right? So you guys would double up. So the idea of like, you don't have to be a solo instructor, you kind of share mm -hmm. that burden, but then let's say you get a step even further. So maybe you do have, you know, one teacher and a TA, maybe you still have two teachers and a TA depending on like your class load or whatever you're teaching, right? And so 
that was something that we put in place. And I, you know, I think it was successful because it was able to convert. Um, and that's how you, you know, I measured the success, which is, can you get these kids out of that TA? And so where they're building their own repertoire, uh, then they go to Kudunumya, they're going to Laudafia, they're expanding their repertoire, you know, and that, there are other ways to expand a repertoire. You don't have to just go, you know, to Kudunumya, you can do research and, you know, with the internet, there's amazing, you know, you can reach out to people, you can, you know, get DVDs, you can get your, you start to build your own research, yeah. you know, with the region that you want to learn and stuff. And so I, I think that's really important. And it's good to hear that others are also doing something similar or thinking about that continuity. I mean, to, to be a solo director, instructor, to do it all, really, it's a disservice to, I mean, in my opinion, it's a disservice to everybody, the program, the students, yourself, because... I mean, for yourself, it's the quickest way to burn out and lose that mm-hmm. sense of why you do it. You know, when you have to juggle all of it, the politics, the teaching, the <laughs> administrative, mm-hmm. the ironing, the costumes. and <laughs> Yeah, it, I think you nailed it on the head. There are so many layers that people don't realize, you know, yeah. so from the politics to the laundry itself <laughs> to the ironing. <laughs> right. Like we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like I remember my husband's not Greek, uh, but, you know, he's he's really good and he's really supportive and you know Chris can attest to that but it's like when you're bringing like you know valises like at you know like suitcases with like costumes that you need to like wash and hang dry and then iron mm-hmm. to bring back because you don't have money to send them to the dry cleaners right so <laughs> yes yep. that's like a, a cross-cultural problem I, oh my God. it's like the struggle is real right like how many yeah. times Chris have we been have I been at your house you know where there's like metaxadas hanging like throughout like the living room right because they're air drying right so yeah and i loved every minute of it (laughs) (laughs) you know just thinking of succession um after a while when i was artistic director with the odyssey dance troupe you know i did i was trying to do everything on my own and i did recognize that there was total burnout but also that it couldn't just be me and so that's when maria stepped up her sister, Theodora, and our friend, Sarah. And the four of us really, um, you know, we all kind of helped out with whatever someone was good at was what they did to help move the group forward. And Theodora became my little understudy for a while because I knew that um, I, I probably could have stayed for a very long time, but I also knew that it wasn't healthy for for the group if I was always going to be the one. And so we started thinking about, okay, who's next? What's coming after Chris goes? And um, and I remember that, you know, Theodora did a great job um, kind of just taking on the reins of some, of some things when, while I was still there. And then, you know, that one year came and I said, okay, guys, you know, this is going to be, this is it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop, um, which doesn't mean, you know, stopping forever. But, you know, as a, I guess as a leader, you also need to know when it's time to pass the baton. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, that year, and I also knew I had other things in my mind of what I wanted to do in my life in other aspects of my life. And so, um, you know, Theodora took over. And she did a wonderful job, brought in new repertoire, worked on the younger kids who then moved into, like, it was just amazing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was wonderful to see 
to see that happening. I think you bring up, it's so funny because um, in my like nine to five life, I am a programmatic manager at a hospital. So I'm a nurse, but I manage a program that recognizes excellence in nursing, if you will. Right. And um, one of the components of the program is talking about how a hospital or a nursing department has succession planning in place. And sometimes people are so um, stressed out by that. And it's like, one, a succession plan doesn't mean that that person is exactly going to become the next, like Chris, the next director. Two, it doesn't mean that like you're, you know, removing somebody, you know, it just means that you're really trying to build up those skills in someone and also build up longevity in the future of a group. And I think, you know, that's where you see a lot of these groups fall. Cause you're right. You put so much into it. Like we joke about the laundry, but yeah. I was the laundry washer and <laughs> it was hours of work, hours of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and like the, it's not just the physical time. It's like the mental, the emotional, the psychosocial time. And that gets really trying after a while. So, I mean, kudos to you for recognizing that number one and, and, you know, for both of you and, and thinking about like, okay, who are we going to put into place here? You know, cause that yeah. you're paving the way for the group to continue. Um, well, yeah. The alternative, you do all that work only to see it go away when you, when you're done. And mm-hmm. what, why do all that work for something to just disappear? Well, and I think that's part of it too, in that we had a lot of momentum. We, you know, and at this time I was in my mid thirties. So when Theodora started to, um, kind of take the reins and, um, and, and, you know, we had completed, we kind of went from zero to a hundred really quickly, right? Like mm-hmm. when we, when we got the group, when we got the new group together, um, we, we then, you know, we got our costumes and then usually a group's going to do maybe a gala dance, like a dinner dance mm-hmm. where you perform and this and that. But instead, Maria and I decided okay. to, <laughs> let's just do a three city tour. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I love no it. Big deal. So, no big know, deal. You know, like Maria, Maria says it, Maria will tell the story how he came up, but like, you know, we, we kind of went right to the end goal of like a really big project rather than working our, our way up to it. And, and there Why was only three cities. Why only three? You should just go for the world. <laughs> no, oh, all the world. Well, <laughs> my God, there, there's so many stories we can tell you, but you know, we, um, oh, no, I forgot what I was trying to get, what my point was of all this, but you know, uh, you were talking about the zero to a hundred and how we like pushed, like really, we moved really fast. We didn't take like a slow progression. Yeah. That was kind and, of where you were, you were at. Yeah. We didn't take a slow, you know, we didn't take a slow progression. The other thing, and I guess Evan, this goes back to something that you said about, you know, keeping things, keeping people in the group, but also that whole like 19 and you're done with Greek dance. When we started um, changing how Odyssey was formatted um, and putting in the audition process, we, and it was, you know, there were some, there was really great comment. There were people that were totally for it. Others Mm -hmm. that were, you know, not really for it because we are a community group. So in, in everyone's mind, everyone should be able to join. Right. And, 
you know, we weren't trying to hold people back um, on purpose. It was more so we want to actually up the ante and make it into this really um, top notch performing group. And we also started a like an um, like a study group with the intent of joining um, Odyssey. And what yeah, so, you know, it was we were as inclusive as we could be. And what was great was that we actually because we opened it up, it really kind of broke barriers because we had people come back who were in their late 30s in their early 40s who, you know, were like, we're opening it up to everyone who wants to come back to Greek dance. And we had people walk through the door that hadn't danced in 20 years. And, you know, they, they, and, and they joined the group and they were with us and, you know, we really diversified and, um, and, it, you know, where people say the audition process kept people away, I would actually argue that it opened it up mm-hmm. because it showed people that, you know, you have an opportunity here to come back and the stigma of you're supposed to be under 19 and no more than 19 is gone. Yeah. What did you guys do for your audition process? Because I asked, because when Evan and I had our own group up in New York, we had, we kind of, I think we were getting a little serious. We wanted people to start taking things a little bit more seriously. So we had people like audition. We didn't necessarily um, like not have everyone perform, but it was, it made people really focus more on like, oh, I can't just like dilly fart in here. Like I have to pay yeah. attention, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. um, I don't think, um, I don't, they don't do the audition process anymore. Um, I think the audition process was a few years. So when we first did it, what we did was I would actually lead the session and then, um, there would be some people kind of in the background that were part of the group already, just being my eyes and, uh, or being my extra eyes. And really it was, you know, can people, you didn't have to be an expert dancer, but it's, can you pick up on the step? Can you, how's your rhythm? Can you follow instruction and so on? And it was really hard because, you know, there's people that were members of the Greek community that I had known in my entire life. And then I had to sit down with them and say, I'm sorry. Um, you know, we as a group decided that we're not going to take you this year, you know, and, And, you know, that was really, really hard. However, there were those that rose to the occasion, right? We had this one dancer, her name is Barry. And Barry is a non-Greek who is married a Greek, but she's more Greek than her Greek (laughs) husband. And, you know, and she, you know, she came, she auditioned the first year and we're like, Oh, you know, not right now. And then, um, she just kept at it. She came back the next year and, you know, she had improved and we're like barrier in and yeah. And, um, and it, you know, it was great, you know, like here's Barry and, uh, and she was older than all of us. Like she was, you know, uh, I think she was in her forties at this point and, um, you know, and she was a breath of fresh air and, you know, she's, she just loves it so much. Even today, she loves it so much. And so those are the kind of people that we were able to really just open it up and, and welcome them back in. And I think that's really important. And, you know, then her two daughters joined, you know, and so mother was dancing with two daughter with her two daughters and in, in the same group. So it was great. I think, I think what's so great about the Barry story is that, so in 2010, we actually, so it started in the summer of 09, but we did a cultural exchange. 
with a group in La Gaza in Greece. And so they came that summer. We hosted them here in Ottawa and they performed at the Greek festival. And then the summer of 2010, Odyssey went uh, to Greece. Barry came to Greece. Barry is Jamaican. Barry is not white. (laughs) And so what's amazing is that you, you know, are in Greece in this small village and these Greek people are like, you know, and not like, don't, let's not, you know, you can keep this in, you can delete it, it doesn't matter to me, but they're like, uh, right? They were like in awe that a black person is like dancing, Greek dancing with like, you know, a bunch of Greek Canadians and like, you know, Chris is, you know, like she's great. She loves it and her, her daughters love it. Um, I'd say she loves it more than Greek people that, you know, grew up dancing through the system, you know, mm-hmm. and it was great. And she continues like, you know, like we, you know, we, uh, Chris and I, um, and a group of us got together and we started an independent group, um, you know, called Ethos Greek Folklore Association. And so it's a 19 and up group and it's just a bit more casual, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. have the pressures of performance, uh, but it's just meant to bring, you know, people that are over a certain age who are just looking to get together and dance, you know, and Barry and the, and her daughters come to that. And it's just that continuous engagement, but you know, they love it. You know, it's like you hear, you know, sometimes they joke cause you know, she'll, she'll message me and she'll be like, Oh, we're listening to folklore in the house today and we're dancing, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what you love. Right. Cause she didn't grow up in the system. Her kids did, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? And she loves it. And I think the idea that you can reach out to people that are, not Greek, but are part of the Greek community or somehow connected and like learn to love it. Um, it's so rewarding to, to have that experience, to share that moment with them. Oh yeah. We've, we've had a few people on the podcast um, who either are not Greek and heavily tied to the, the culture, like Chris King, um, who is, you know, a, a producer and has written a book on music from Epidos and stuff like that. And, you know, some people, it's interesting because on like side conversations, not necessarily with other podcast guests, but with other people, some people will be like, oh, you know, he thinks he knows about Epidos, but like, I'm really the, the you know, the authority. authority and, it, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, are you saying that just because his name is Chris King and not Christos, you know, whatever? Like, is that, exactly, is that where this is coming from? Because, yeah. you know, I think, um, and it's, this is so funny because the person who I talked to earlier today, we talked about the same stuff and he's very not involved in the dance side of the Greek community. Um, you know, I think that's almost degrading and it hurts the culture because if we don't let people in who, who see the beauty in what we do, um, it becomes, uh, it can become very ugly, you know what I mean? Or very insular, very, and I'm not saying like, you know, um, just anyone, but if somebody is really committed to this and loves it and worked hard enough to pass through an audition, like that's amazing. And I, yeah. you know, it was probably quite impactful too, for the people who saw it in Greece, you know, because it actually like, yeah, it, it was something else. I, I need to tell you a little story about that because yeah. well, two mini stories. One is when we started auditions the first time we actually had uh, a woman named Marie Pierre. So a Francophone come mm-hmm. to the audition and she was great. And she joined the group. 
you know, we, mm-hmm. we said yes. But so when, um, again, back to the whole like skyrocketing to big lofty goals before doing the little things, you know, uh, we did our three city tour, which we can talk about after, but we went, as Maria said, we went to Greece for an exchange and this was our turn to go there. And so, um, we were working with, uh, Rena's group. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm like, so, so Rena Cariofilidu, um, she, she, her group came to Ottawa that the summer prior and we hosted them and um, learned a lot from that experience. Oh my goodness. That was so amazing. But organizing that was something else. And um <laughs> Because we had people that, you know, committed to helping with some things and then backed out at the last mm-hmm. minute. And some, and we just pulled it together. Me, Sarah and Maria and Theodora just made it happen. And people like Barry stepped up, some other dancers stepped up. It was great. But so the, after that summer, for whatever reason, maybe some of the dancers had burnout because we were asking too much of them or whatnot. But we actually had a, ma- a major exodus of dancers. And, um, you know, they're like, yeah, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're good. We've, we've done enough We're you know, they decided that they were not going to come to Greece with us. And all of a sudden we were left and you know how hard, you know, when it comes to guys, it's, you know, they're, so we had most of our guys left and a bunch of the girls left and for the girls, no big deal because you know we already had the replacements but um and, and i mean that that I don't sounds mean that so in, great chris I, <laughs> the replacements. it's more like you know for the ratio it's like you have like 20 girls 10 guys right so you get the spares yeah. i don't know but that anyways, did yeah. sound awful i know like <laughs> you can go we don't need you we whatever, whatever. <laughs> no but so what happened was was like okay we're going to greece and we got to figure this out so we we opened up auditions again and you know because at this point the group had really gelled well together and we were just going to go we were going to go to Greece and then people decided not to but I loved the ones that stuck around mm. um you know we have this one dancer Jimmy Andriades very passionate dancer he's and you know he's like I'm not going anywhere we're going to Greece I'm like right on you know mm-hmm. so anyways we opened it up and um in walks um so Barry was part of our group and then in walks this francophone again uh his name is Simon Pierre he contacted me because I had advertised actually even like beyond the Greek community I, I advertised publicly in Ottawa mm-hmm. uh because we were desperate we needed people and so guys, Simon Pierre, guys, that's what we need. We need guys, because yeah. we needed people, but really yeah, we, needed we needed guys, guys. to show up. We had but, you know, anyone yeah. off the street almost seemed like it could have been like, okay, yeah, you could pass. Let's go. Uh, so, <laughs> you want to go to so, Greece? <laughs> I, ex- actually, you know what? Maria? That's exactly what happened. So, <laughs> so Simon Pierre shows up for, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. Come to, you know, we're having, uh, I don't think we had uh, audition. We had rehearsals because at this point, it, you know, we had already started. So I'm like, come to practice, you know, whatever, just, you know, we were just being nice come he shows up we're like Simon Pierre just put it down the line if you can catch on catch on <laughs> meanwhile by the end of the night you know we're like he leave you know he's like what how, how'd I do oh 
you know, maybe you should come back next week. You know, we want to give you another try. He leaves. We just look at each other and we're like, he's so in, right? Like, because he, he caught it. And, but, you know, we had to play our cards right because, you know, we were a community group and here's this person out of nowhere and they weren't Greek or part of the community. And anyway, so Simon Pierre joined. Um, and it was funny when, when we told him, Simon Pierre, you're, 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 you know, you're welcome to the group. He's like, great. And I'm like, by the way, we're going to Greece in six months. So, uh, <laughs> Get a you know, start, uh, start saving some money. Yeah. And, uh, and then we also had this other guy, Adam, who just joined at, at the time. And, um, and he was part of the Greek community, but wasn't part of dance and just mm-hmm. came and we're like, we're going to figure this out. So, you know, we, we had our dancers, I contacted, we needed two more, uh, cause not everyone was able to come to Greece. So I contacted some friends in, in Toronto. I, I asked the group, here's what we need. We need another guy. We need another girl. And, uh, we're going to contact these two people that we know in Toronto we know they can do it. They're friends of ours. What do you think? And the group was supportive. So we contacted them. Their names were Christina and Louis, and who actually were dancing with Parado scene. And, uh, and, I, and I said, would you guys come? We're going to Greece. We need two more dancers, please. And they're like, we're in. So, and then we went. We went for 10 days to Amuliani outside of Thessaloniki. We arrived there. And then I don't look think... at that, Chris. Not a Mugliani. What did I? Oh, sorry. <laughs> a Mugliani. Let's get Yako's workshop. <laughs> oh, that's right. No, I wrote a Mugliani on my little notepad of something to talk about. But um, yeah, so we went to Lagada, and it was amazing. You know, we we performed a lot. I, I, you know, they, I guess word started spreading that we were there and I don't know if they really expected us to know what we were doing, but mm-hmm. I remember the first time we performed, it was a Metaxava suite. Um, and there we were on stage with full throttle costumes. And I, I know, like I knew we blew them away, particularly because we were from Canada. Mm-hmm. And when we were finally performing for Lagada, the actual town that was hosting us, they were we performed for them halfway through. The mayor was on the microphone. Maria, Sarah, and I were there with him, and he and we had met him, and he had met our group, and. You know, he was like, oh, this group from Canada. You know, I already said it earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can delete it if you want to. Okay. But, yeah. but anyway, so they were referring to Barry and Sarah Maria and I were up on stage, like mouths dropped, kind of like, oh, my God, we can't. But anyways, they were enthralled with her. And I remember going to the mic and just kind of like starting to speak Greek in my broken Gringlish. And they were all just like clapping. Oh my God, he's speaking Greek. So, <laughs> but it was, it was an experience. I, I would do that again in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like an experience for you all, an experience for the people there. Um, and something that like sticks with you. You know what I mean? Like, I think we can all, um, pinpoint different parts on our like life timeline thus far that have been like exceptionally formative. And, you know, 
that right there, like it's one thing to organize a group in your area to do like your local ish three city tour. Like that's still a massive undertaking yet to put people on a plane with costumes, travel out of your country, you know, to a country that likely you're quite familiar with. Um, it's still a, a wicked, like massive undertaking. Yeah. And Simon Pierre came. He did. And he loved yeah, it. He yeah. did. He had an amazing time. Oh, Odyssey's been to Greece twice. So the first time was in 2010. And then by now, the next time Chris had moved on and Theodora had taken over. Um, I was still director of the of the program, but Theodora was teaching the, the performing group, was teaching Odyssey. And so this group was younger in composition, younger than when the group first went mm-hmm. um, to Greece. And so, you know, she comes to me and she goes like, I want to take them to Greece. And I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> we are like, they're so much younger it's gonna be so much more work and she's like i think it's really important for them to connect with their culture and i'm like find something else for them to connect with their culture with here (laughs) domestically (laughs) you know you want to take them in a she's like no i really want to do it and i was like okay like if you if you think you can organize them and you can take you know these you know like late teens early 20s to greece and and think it's going to be okay then I'll, i'll support you we'll do it so to her credit you know she did um you know, we, um, you know, partnered with another group and this one was just a one way. It was just taking the group to Greece to, to mm-hmm. perform it. It was really great. And, and I think, you know, it was a very different experience for, you know, for some of us who were going now on the second time, but also mm-hmm. with a younger, with a younger group for some of these kids. And I say kids because like, you know, at this point, like I'm much older and I see them as kids. Some of them, this was their first time going to Greece. They'd never yeah. been, or they had been, you know, and done the, the, the traditional like tourist, you know, like Thalassa beach, you know, every day. And then that's the mm-hmm. Greece, you know, but not the cultural component. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time this group, uh, the group performed and the name of the, the town escapes me right now, but they, they performed and I was in tears watching them. Cause I think it's just so beautiful for a bunch of, you know, like now at this point, like second generation, you know, Greek Canadians performing and they got off stage and they're so proud of themselves. And they did magnificent and and you know and so they're all you know they're all starting to cry mostly Mm. the girls but they're all emotional and i remember you know one of the one of the one of the students comes up to me and she's like tonight i performed for my yaya and she's watching me from heaven and i'm so happy that i got to do that and you know like then i start bawling even more but it was so impactful to kind of see how they were connecting, you know, for themselves. And yeah, and I think, and then I thought to myself, man, all the sleepless nights in organizing this and the sleepless nights I'm having here, it's so worth it for those moments, right? Mm-hmm. For these little moments where they find something to connect where they will cherish, you know, like, you know, the ups and downs, right? Because anytime you do a trip with young people and very passionate, you know, Greek people, it's never going to be like smooth sailing, right? But of course. <laughs> those moments, it's those moments where they find something that they've connected to that you're like, it's all worth it just, just for that, you know, or I had another girl, she's, you know, her cousin had passed away and he loved to, to, to dance. And so he had passed away not too long ago. And so she's like, I performed for my cousin tonight. Like, you know, like he loved, you know, to, to greet dance and I danced for him tonight and they just things that you know they connected with and it was beautiful it was beautiful for me to sit back and, and see that experience right so that's, that's exactly for me like 
a director can't create that passion for their mm-hmm. students. What a director can do is bring the opportunity for those yes. moments to happen. And that's exactly, I mean, what you're describing is exactly that. That that trip, that moment where they got off the stage and they realized what they just did could be that moment that sets them forward in this path for the rest of their life to appreciate the culture, the dance, the music, the community at such a deeper level because you brought them to that experience. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. like that to me is, that's the ultimate calling of a director or an instructor is not, I mean, yeah, you want to teach the dance correctly. You want to teach the footwork and all this stuff, but you're, you're bringing these opportunities. You're presenting them with these opportunities to just dive deep into what matters to them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's like, really impactful. Evan. like, I agree with you. I think that's all you can do is just give it, you know, you can teach a dance over and over and hope that they get the style and the, this and the, that, um, what does it matter at the end of the day? If they don't find something to connect to, if they don't find something that lights that spark in them, right. At the end of the day. And I think that's true. And, you know, Chris kind of mentioned, a little bit earlier about our, you know, Tri-City Tour, but like, and Themeon was our Tri-City Tour is what we, we called it, was I think something that, I, you know, I think it was very special for me and Chris. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, two other groups, we, we reached out to Paradosi and La Trufola, Corey Grec from Montreal. And so they, you know, they, they came on board. But I remember when we were trying to come up with the concept of Enthemion, we wanted to find something that could be relatable to some of these kids too, right? And to experience something that all of us have experienced, which is... Greek dance is something that, you know, we've alluded to that is that you do it because you had to do it. And somehow, somewhere down the line, you forgot to value the things that mattered about your culture, right? Mm-hmm. Or the things that are passed down to you, right? Not just, not just, you know, dancing and not just, you know, songs, other things, artifacts within your within your house, the special icon, anything that's just been passed on, right? And so you're like, oh, you know, like I think even in my house now, like I have a like a trunk full of things that have been passed down from like my, mm-hmm. you know, grandparents. You know, my husband's like, what are you gonna do with that trunk? And I'm like, I don't know, these are like my legacy, man. Like I gotta keep it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. But like, you know, like my yeah, yeah knitted this and like my you know, like and they didn't, you know, like they weren't like affluent, they weren't like, you know, running in cash. So whatever they made, it was important, mm-hmm. right? And so when Thimion touches, I think, on those, you know, we forget as a society a little bit. You know, we come, our you know, our parents came, our grandparents came, whatever. They had to adapt to um, living, you know, in Canada and, and the U.S., you're so focused on like adapting to that life that you, you know, to integrate that integration, right, a little bit, that you mm-hmm. kind of forget about the meaningful things. And Thimion was very much about that. It was about things that have been passed on to you and are forgotten, mm-hmm. you know. And so we brought a show to life about essentially, and well, essentially, it was about a trunk that had been hidden up in an attic and that had a bunch of things inside. And we brought key moments like key things out of the trunk came to life and were depicted moments through dance and song was mm-hmm. kind of like you know that overall premise but it was the idea that an anthemion is a keepsake it's something that you know means something to you and we thought that was relatable to to to, to people and so 
it was relatable certainly to ourselves it was relatable to you know our community but i think at the same time we use it as a bit of a catalyst to i don't know if i want to say educate but i think educate actually is appropriate to educate people that you don't have to not everything has to be tourism in zorba right you can love something that is authentic that is pure and you should want to preserve it you should mm-hmm. want to pass that on more than you know the ring of fire and like Mm -hmm. Zorba right Mm -hmm. just because that's more sexy or like a bit more like you know so I don't know about you guys here at our Greek Summer Festival and it's not to knock anyone down like we have a Zorba show and it's great and they put on a fantastic show but it's a show Mm -hmm. right it's a, a choreographed element it's not my culture it's not that authentic piece but we almost do a disservice to ourselves so you know that was like a little bit of that try city tour we took it we you know we performed at ottawa we did toronto montreal live musicians the whole thing it was an amazing experience um it's 10 year anniversary pass you know a few years ago and i was like chris we should bring it back and he goes are you insane and i was like <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i was like it's its 10th anniversary like 10, just one show you know i'm like we should like bring the gang together like you know and everyone just does the same sweets we did there one night only you know, and let's just perform it. There are kids out there that, you know, or, and, you know, people that didn't see it, that might, it might resonate with people, right? I think its message is, is timeless in that, in that mm-hmm. respect a little bit. Yeah. It's, um, first of all, it's so funny. I feel like we are a copy paste of each other. Um, <laughs> Evan and I are just the, like United States version of YouTube because um, we have a lot of very similar too. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Um, we have a You're lot of on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the dating life is very interesting <laughs> down here. Um, but like, I think we have very similar ideas, and I, I think it's because we see things similarly in that there is a time and place for the showy, the choreographed, the, you know, um, stuff that like my mom back in the day taught us, you know what I mean? That was very, um, you know, she taught very authentic stuff, but she also taught some stuff that she found from DVDs from like cruise ships in Greece. And, and there's entertainment value there. You know what I mean? And, and, There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, last weekend was, um, FDF on the West coast and I was watching it, you know, I was having like a little watch party with me, myself and I in the apartment and this one group, I don't, this was like wicked late. It must've been on Saturday night. I think, um, their second set, they did a set that emulated or reflected like a Greek festival. Um, so they had like people with an apron on who were like working at the festival dance. They had people with like, you know, the, that like sash with all the coins on it that they sell at the Greek fest. And everyone's like, I'm Greek. Oh my God. Those are the worst. (laughs) Exactly. They had someone with, with one of those. And my first reaction was like, Oh, why are they doing this? And then I was like, you know what? They are capturing a piece of our recent history. Like some, we have all experienced like that Greek festival dance scenario, if you will. And I like, 
when I was watching them, I could see people who I knew in, in, in their bodies. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. put myself back at like festivals in New York and I was like, I don't know how, how it was scored or to be honest, I missed the award ceremony. So I don't know like if, if they won anything, but I was like bold move at like something like FDF because it's, it's relatively more traditional than, you know, modern, if you will. And two, they touched on something very interesting that that is part of Greek dance history in North America, you know? Yeah. I have a question. How does that, sorry, like how does that, I I never understood the whole scoring thing. We don't have that in Canada. We don't have competitions. So how does that work? Um, I think it depends on the competition. Um, So I can't really speak because I've never been a judge. Um, At HDF, I was on the, um, I was like the director for social media, but they have like um, categories that they look at when they look at dances. So I think um, they look at authenticity. They ask the groups to provide research. So like if you're doing something from a certain area, right, Ev, like you guys had to provide research for what you did. Um, I think, I think judging has also changed dramatically over mm -hmm. the years. And I would say, especially recent years, um, there's just been a huge shift in an appreciation for authenticity. Whereas back maybe, I'm not even gonna put a time frame on that, but previously competition was more so about performance value. How much did you capture everybody's attention? And what kind, you know, how was the, the show quality. Um, but I think especially, I mean, from what I've been involved with more recently in the past couple of years, a huge shift has been put on understanding the facts, presenting your research. And it's not so much to say that, you know, there's only one right way to do the dance. But that's where the research component comes into it. Because if I produce research and I say that, you know, like, for example, my my students went to HDF in Florida this past year, their first time ever competing. Um, we did a set from Banatraki. We use Kiriakos Moisidis as our um, research base. So we referenced performances that he did um, with his group. Um, I referenced I also studied with him at one of the Laografias, I believe, when he taught mm-hmm. Bana there. Um, so we reference all of that. He was our source of information. Um, so they judged it in the context of, okay, this is your basis for your your information. How authentically did you represent that? Um, I think the judging has become very fair in terms mm-hmm. of putting one group against another. And it, I think, whereas I think in the past it was, it was more so skewed towards performance value and not mm-hmm. always so much rooted in, you know, the nitty gritty yeah. of it. So, right. I, okay. And they do like continuing education too, which yeah. I guess it was in my head that they do that, but like they talk like seminars and stuff like that within the judges panel, which I was like, you know what? Good for them that they're pushing themselves to learn more because you, that's what you need to, to continue to elevate the competition and to bring in different things, you know, and, and to make sure that, that the judges are not necessarily looking at things, the same lens, but on the same vein in terms of like what, 
what they're scoring and how they're scoring. You know, I think that's important yeah. too. To you guys find... so... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Evan. I just want to quickly, when we talk about um, like the Zorba and the performances that are, you know, the Daverna night or whatever. I've always, I know Maria said this a little bit. I've always taken the stance that there's nothing wrong with teaching that to your students mm-hmm. where you do a disservice to your students is if you teach that and you teach that as this is traditional Greek folklore, if you can't put it into a time period and say, well, this is what Greek dance looked like mm-hmm. in the 1960s and the 1970s, this is, this was accepted and popular then mm-hmm. that's where the disservice comes in. But to erase that from our history and say that, oh, we never did this. If, if it wasn't done 100 years plus, then it doesn't matter. Well, then we're not being honest with our history either. So that's my position on that. I agree 100%, I think, with that statement. That's very much my philosophy as well. There's nothing wrong. And I don't like, please don't. I hope anyone else listening to that wouldn't think that that's my feeling that, oh, if you do that, that's not appropriate. I think absolutely. There is a time and place where, you know, like at a the Verna or even something like a, a Zorba show, like something mm-hmm. more contemporary. Temporary, right? Choreographed um, is appropriate. You simply need to know the difference, right? Do something mm-hmm. and make sure that the people that are performing it understand what it is, but also make sure your audience knows as well. That's where I feel sometimes it's a bit of a disservice. Like we don't convey, and today you're going to see, you know, a performance that is depicting this time period or this, or this is a choreography or, you know what I mean? It's a show. It's not, you know, please don't leave here thinking you're going to go to Greece and you're going to see, you know, the ring of fire. (laughs) Like that may not happen. Right. And so, I think it's it's that a little bit, right? Or I, I, my, my biggest pet peeve, and it's mine, I don't know if other instructors have had that, but it drives me crazy. I, you know, I remember once we got asked, I'm not going to say who asked because then it gets a little too, you know, um, personal. <laughs> but, you know, they were like, can the group come perform? And I was like, oh, sure. You know, here are the suites we're working on. So like, oh, it's, you know, for this, we can, you know, do something appropriate. And they were like, no, no, we want you guys to do like, you know, a hasapiko and a very prescribed set list. And I'm like, in folklore costumes, I would never do that in folklore costumes, right? And it's that <laughs> idea of like, but this is what I want. And so how do you say no to that, right? Or how do you be like, oh, this does not align with my values or like, you know, just how I, you know, that just doesn't work for me. Right. But then your community group, there are some expectations around like, oh, well, you're being called to perform. And if that's what they want, that's what you have to do. Right. And it's almost, you know, like it's frustrating a little bit to me because you want to be like, but it's not appropriate and I shouldn't do it this way. And you shouldn't expect the group to perform it. And it's a disservice to your culture. And why would you do it that way? Right. So that's that's my own struggle a little bit uh, with that, right? So I don't know, Chris, if you you know want to go um, on that. Yeah, for me, the I'm totally okay with modern programs. I have no issue with them in the sense that they have their place, and as long as you're informing people that this is what this is. Um, but what's important is so that the audience also knows. So a really good example is recently my nephew, he's now 16, but he was 15 at the time we were at a summer barbecue and he's like, Oh, uncle Chris, can you, um, I, I, I want to do the Zorba dance. And I, I looked at him like, the Zorba, like, what are you talking? 
you know, be more specific, you know, and can you tell me what you mean? And he's like, well, you know what they dance at the, at the, at the Greek festival. I'm like, well, there's a lot of things they dance, you know? And, um, and then he started showing me the step. He goes, this Zorba dance. And it was a Bentozali. And I said to him, I'm like, dude, I go, okay, that is a totally different dance that, it, you know, it's high energy and they do it because it's high energy and it's a Pendozali and I'm going to send you some information. Right. So, you know, I sent him videos, I sent him some research and it got to the point where he's like, okay, uncle Chris, no way I get it. You know, but I was just like, wow, you know, this is, and he's not one that, that goes into Greek. He doesn't go to Greek dance, so he wouldn't know, but, um, you know, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, this is what we have to be mindful of. And, um, and, you know, I'm one that performed those shows growing up and I love them. Right. But I also knew the difference. So I think that's important. So I'm curious, we've talked a lot about some deep, deep stuff here. (laughs) So to change it up a little bit, um, what's your favorite region of uh, region of Greece to dance? What what music, what instruments just gets your blood boiling and you, no matter what you do, no matter how many chains are attached to your ankles, you cannot be kept off the dance floor. Go ahead, Maria. <laughs> um, so my favorite region is Asia Minor. Um, that's one that I just, re- I, I really enjoy. So, um, I also play with a little folk band like here, like, like, a you know, locally. And I have played, you know, with musicians in Greece as well, busting out my daily with the Sula. So generally I love listening to it all, uh, just because, you know, it's so, um, I just enjoy it, right? Like even when I work out, I like I like you know I've set I have like folklore playlists, I put the aka playlists, I've kritika, depending on what I'm doing. And usually like there's some sort of folklore playlist that I'm listening to. Um, people think it's weird, but I love it because there's nothing more exciting than like on your spin bike and like you're like listening to some podiaka or some kritika and like you are good to go, man. <laughs> your your heart will be pumping, right? Um, so but the Asia minor I really enjoy and, and I think you know like I don't want to say that like Oh, you know, like Thraki obviously like is a big one, right? With the with the the devil and you know, and it's just like I love it. Um, I think for me it really depends on you know my mood. Um, so from a music perspective, when I'm teaching, you know, like I was ambitious, you know, like I think the last program I worked on to teach with Odyssey was Budiaka, which was like a bit of a stretch, like it was a bit of an ambitious, like, okay, let's try this and see if I, I could and push myself outside of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. uh, right? Because, you know, like teaching like, you know, the Thrakyotika or the Asia Minor or Samipirotika, like Lepirotika I love. Like, you know, very mm-hmm. talked about always is like, Maria, that's your jam. I'm like, I love it. You know, like I just <laughs> love them, right? I but, love Barry. <laughs> yeah, Barry's <laughs> great. You know what? You, guys, you should have Barry on here. <laughs> we should. <laughs> you should. More importantly, after all this COVID nonsense thing, we should just all get together yeah, and uh, have a drink and, and just meet in person. I think that would, we'll just come to Florida because I think the weather's good there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, more than that. so from a, from a musical perspective, you know, like I, I love it all from a teaching perspective, you know, like like I really mm. enjoy, um, you know, the Metaxadis is a, program that you know is is very dear to me um cretan music i love i don't love to dance cretan though which will be a lot of people like oh Mary, i can't believe you said that but yeah i love the music <laughs> okay. 
but you know, okay but the, the, the dancing thing, I'm like, I'm okay. You know, like I'll do a couple and I'm content. Um, and then, you know, like just, you know, the, the, the overall stuff. So it's, it's pretty diverse. Like I don't, I don't have a region that I'm like, it has to be this one. Um, and there's so many regions I don't know. So I'm always looking yeah. to expand and to, to learn more. Like my, my Ionian, it's not there, you know, yeah. it's not, they're not programs we've done a lot. I'd like to, to do more. Uh, but yeah, Chris, Chris will have more to say on this for sure. Actually, I, <laughs> I think mine's going to be really quick because it's, um, I, so I don't play music. I, I, I would love to have a musical bow on my body, but I just don't have that. Um, but my, I'm, I'm, my parents are from Evia, so I'm an Islander and I, I generally love Island dances and anything with, with a Tsabuna I'm drawn to, but my go-to mainland region is Thrace. You know, anytime I hear a Gaida or Thraki starts, I can do Exercito for an hour, you know, like, <laughs> and I know that's not a very complicated one, but I just love the instrumentation. I love the songs. I love the singing that, that for me gets me, you know, if you're talking, there's chains on me, holding me down. I'm super tired at 3 a.m. at the dance and Thraki comes on, I'm back on. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I love it, Maria. It's so funny that you mentioned on your spin bike because um, I have a Peloton and they have scenic rides and there's a few rides in Greece specifically. I'm pretty sure there's um, at least two Cretan rides. And I remember one morning I was up super early because I was doing 75 hard. So I'm like getting in my pre-work workout and I was just freaking out on the Crete ride because there's like you know normal tunes behind it but you see all these different scenery things and you're like oh my god those there's the Greek guardrails that were like you know half the road is protected and then there's enough <laughs> of a, a break in the guardrail for your car to go through if you decide to drive off the side of the road I was yeah. going crazy so the next time I took it I put on like my own Cretan music because it's Again, there's like not an instructor. Uh, and I was just like, I'm like, my neighbors must be like, who's the crazy person in there at like four in the morning? But I was just having a blast. I was literally yeah. like in heaven. I, it was great. Like, I'm convinced. So like, I swear by it. So like, you know, I've taken some detail in my, my, my folklore playlist for my, you know, for my spin bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times, you know, like when you're like feeling a little like, oh, I'm just getting on the bike because I've got to get on there. But as soon as that music comes on and there are times, you know, like, especially if I'm listening to like my thought like my trachotica and sometimes you know like i'll be spinning but then all of a sudden like my hands want to get in on the action and like i start you know like banging like the handles on the bike or whatever and we we have you know two rabbits we have two pet rabbits and sometimes my husband will come upstairs and he's like can you stop banging like the rabbits are losing their mind <laughs> like you're scaring them right i'm like i'm sort of just getting into it right like my feet are going and then you know like you just want to get off the bike and dance but you're like no i gotta finish my spin bike so i i think it's great I love yeah, it. Awesome. I love it. Um, oh my gosh. This was great. We, sh- we should talk about ethos. We haven't talked about that. We should talk about ethos before yeah. we close. Yeah. I yeah. mentioned it very quickly. And so um, so I think we mentioned that uh, we started ethos. So ethos launched, was it December 2019? Yeah. 
And oh, wow. So, so, so very new. soon. Yeah. We got hit by COVID yeah. <laughs> almost right away. And so this was an idea that had been percolating with me and Chris for a long time. Uh, the idea that, um, you know, you know, everyone's thinking of succession planning. We talked about that, but we were thinking about our own plans, which is like, we still want to be involved with folk dancing and doing something, but not necessarily like the hustle and bustle of a performing group and the pressures okay. around that. And so we thought, you know, um, in our community, basically there's just a youth program. And so like the performing group, even though like it has spanned into older age ranges, typically it's in that, you know, conservative age range of like 16 to 23, 24, maybe 25. Right. And then you slowly mm-hmm. start to, to whittle down. And so we wanted to get a group going that was over 19 and was more adult. Right. So 19 was, you know, the legal age or like an adult age. So that's why that's the, the starting point. So we launched Ethos. Um, you know, uh, we have a, a team behind Ethos and the idea was just to get together. Um, it's the, like I mentioned, it's the Ethos Creek Folklore Association. So it's not just about dance, although we get together, you know, once a week to dance, but it could be anything, you know, um, cultural as well. And so it's a, it's an independent association, uh, but still, you know, like Chris mentioned, we're only one community here in the city. Um, but it's private and so it gives us a bit more autonomy as to mm-hmm. you know the direction we want to go and what we want to do and that was something new for us because all our experience comes through that you know community lens which is very different um, than when you're in a private independent uh, group unfortunately like we launched and then COVID hit and so it kind of put a bit of a a pause, if you will, in that like in-person stuff. But throughout COVID, you know, we did virtual, uh, virtual learning and we had instructors from Greece, mm-hmm. like Kiriako did a few sessions with us virtually, which was, you know, made it um, way more economical <laughs> than yeah. to do a session, right? And so it's like, wait, we can do this now? You won't ever need to fly down anywhere. But uh, no, Seriously. there's something to be said, right, about that in-person <laughs> instruction. So, you know, like in the, in the first year of COVID, we really tried to um, just continue virtually. But I think like with everyone, uh, you start to kind of experience that like virtual screen fatigue. And so we took a bit of a pause um, in like our routine. Um, but um, I should send you guys our website just so you guys can kind of check us out and we're on Instagram. So now hopefully with COVID winding down, we're hoping, you know, to eventually be able to return to in person and do some fun programming. But the whole, you know, idea behind Ethos is really, you know, very much to open it up to not just, you know, Greeks within Ottawa, but also anyone that wants to come to learn about um, mm-hmm. Hellenic culture um, and not just through dance, but through song. And music. So we do have a few like musicians that, you know, we get together and we play. We always try to incorporate a bit of live music, even at our dance practices. I think that it's just fun to do that. Yeah. Um, and we do fun things, right? Like for Easter, like, you know, when we got together, we did like signal family. We got together at a Greek mm-hmm. restaurant, you know, ate some meat, you know, and did some songs that were appropriate, had a good time. So just to, you know, something else, another way for us to connect. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Chris, if you want to say anything more about well, I remember when Maria, you know, we had talked about doing an independent group a long time ago. And then, you know, I, I wasn't involved with the dance group for quite some time. And um, Maria was uh, was moving away from it a little bit as well. And uh, she came to me with this idea. And I, I think I was hesitant at first because more so because I was like, 
I'm not going to, I'm going to use the word retired just to show where I was in my, in my yeah. space, you know, my headspace. Yeah. I don't think you're ever really retired from Greek dancing, but it wasn't, it wasn't a focus. I had moved on to other things in my life. And, and I said to me, okay, you know what, let's do this. I, I have no problem. And we also brought in another teacher, Matthew Spanos. And, uh, and he's young, like he's in his twenties and I'm in my late forties now. And so it was great having that. And I actually was learning a lot from him, which was really great. And cause he's like this encyclopedia. He's just amazing. And what I also loved was that the dancers that I grew up with in my teens, a lot of them came back. I emailed them and I said, guess what folks let's go do this again and uh, a bunch of them came back and it was fun you know yeah. it was a party again and we were doing all these different things and uh, there was quite a bit of momentum there and uh, and I think we would have grown um, naturally into whatever it would have formed into but then with COVID you know it, that halted that and we mm-hmm. we pivot I hate to use the word pivot but you know we we pivoted and uh, did some online stuff and we did as long as we could and mm-hmm. at that point you know as maria mentioned we had fatigue online mm-hmm. fatigue and oh, yeah. um so we're just like you know what let's put a pause and uh we're gonna reassess hopefully we can actually you know get people back together but i don't know you know it's i i don't know if we're gonna be able to get the group back off off the ground um mm-hmm. in next year uh, just because you know, people have different priorities or they, they want to focus on other things or who knows. Right. Mm -hmm. So only time will tell. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, it's interesting because we we kind of talked about Chris mentioned like, you know, like his his peeps, the older, the older folks, the 40 year olds came out and I I don't know if you guys see that with your groups. Right. But then there's that. So, you know, we talked about the, you know, the young age and then they, they leave, but then we haven't talked about, and there may not be time in this session, but it might be worth exploring, right. You get married and then you have kids and then that competes. Right. And so then you kind of go away, but then your kids get to a certain age where it's a bit more, Oh, you can leave the house all of a sudden right and Mm -hmm. so you kind of get that crew coming back out and so i think it's really i think it's nice and the fact that it's non-committal in the sense you don't have you're not a performing group again that stigma right people are like well i don't want to be in a performing group i just want to come dance so this is kind of the environment it's more flexible it's like you just get together we're all like-minded people we all grew up in this community we just want to get together for, you know, like an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, so there's no expectations. Dance. It was just show up. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of yeah. it. But then we did have a few people that were like, oh, so when do we perform? And we were like, that is not on our radar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> at all. Is it on your radar? I mean, and then you kind of start having those conversations. You're like, oh, well, if people want to perform, like, I guess we could. But it was not at all the the main like driver right behind it. It was more like, let's just come learn and expand our our repertoire a little bit, if you will. Yeah, I think that's so important because I, I, I think like down here, there's a, a group and, you know, I, I've been here about, I don't even know, eight months now, six months, whatever. Um, and it's like a lot of the people in the group have kids who are in groups at some of the churches, you know what I mean? Um, they grew up kind of in like the three largest Greek churches in this area, kind of, um, there's, there's tons, but, um, and I, I haven't explored the group a lot, but they also, they all performed at HDF. They competed and it was beautiful to see because it's people in their thirties, their forties, probably even some people in their twenties, you know, all dancing together. They did a fantastic job, but I'm like, 
I don't know if I want to perform. So like, can I still come and just jam out with you guys? Or my is, you know, like, what's the frame of reference for your group? Because if it's truly strictly a performing group, and you don't want to perform, you're sometimes in the way, you know what I mean? But I love what you guys did. Because it's just like, come on in, have fun do your thing and then you can go home and, you know, not have to worry about like finding your shoes and your stockings for the performance that you have, you know, the next, the next week or whatever. You're (laughs) celebrating the beauty of dance at its core. I mean, yeah, we do it for, we do it for ourselves and for the community, not the performing part. It has its beauty and its benefits too. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely at a place in my life where it's, yeah, I get a high from the the performing. I love, I love sharing what we do, but, um, for me, it's just me and the dance floor and getting lost in that moment is like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me too, like, it's just, um, you know, like I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, um, a few individuals here that, you know, like, you know, uh, Chris mentioned Matthew, Matthew plays the violin and we have a guitarist and we get together and, and that brings me so much joy, right? Just that, you know, and we, we, we rehearse, you know, outside of, uh, when Ethos, uh, meets and it just, it's, I love it. It's, you know, like, I love it. Even if it's just, you know, like, Hey, you know, it's summertime, it's nice out. It's springtime. The weather's good. Come, we'll sit outside. You know, my neighbors are like, we hear you guys rehearsing. It's so lovely. I love it. It brings me so much joy and happiness. And it's nice to be able to, to share that, you know, with people that are like-minded. And, Mm -hmm. um, I love at this point in my life that I don't have to, you know, be ironing or washing costumes (laughs) or doing lineups or be thinking of those, you know, like working towards something and there's nothing wrong with having goals. Like, you know, with, with Chris, we've achieved a lot through our, you know, our folklore career, if you will. Right. And those are moments that, you know, will always stay with us. But then at some point you get a little like run down and then you need to take a step back. But you, I wasn't ready to take a complete step back. And Ethos still gives us that opportunity to still be connected and to meet with people within our community without those pressures that um, I find, you know, relaxing, but also very rewarding. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank Guys, you so this was... I know. I know. We got to, I have a, a thing. I, I could still talk it for another half hour. Oh, right? <laughs> I know. I know. This was no, fantastic. I have a family though. thing I have to get to. No, this was great. I really enjoyed this. Um, I know that, and there's so many things that, you know, we didn't talk about that Marie and I can easily talk about. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you one quick, can I tell you a quick, quick story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, so, I gotta go, but guys, let me I know, tell you a quick I'm, story. <laughs> So, it's gonna take 22 so, minutes, but hold on. Well, listen. hold on. My sister-in-law just texted me back, and let me see what she says. Oh, just started to prepare dinner. They're fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> the so just thinking about like how you get hooked. So, you know, one summer, this is before we went to Greece to perform. Maria, her sister Theodora, and another friend of ours, Maria, mm-hmm. we <laughs> went to Amuliani for Kiriakos. And, and Stamatia. We yeah. went to uh, Amuliani for Kiriakos workshop. And this was actually the first time any of us dance to live music. And so what happened wow. was they had, we had all, they had some kind of seminar within the seminar and they had all these groups come from all over Greece to perform. And then the bands just hit and we would not leave the dance floor. Like we were just, our, our eyes were blowing out of our, our sockets. Cause we're like, <laughs> what's going on. And then the next day, 
we were walking through town to go to the beach and we had to kind of walk through this person's backyard because the way the pathway went and they spent, they were outside and they're like, uh, are, are you the Canadians? And we're like, what do you mean? They're like, you were the ones that never left the dance floor last night. Like the four of you were just going crazy. I were like, Oh my God, it was our first time dancing to live music, live instruments. We couldn't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. So it was just a really good, it was a moment. It was really great. And actually as a pitch, I mean, it, it, you know, if you guys haven't ever done um, one of those seminars in Greece, uh, you, you should, they're absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if you've done them or not, but I mean, I've done a few of them. Chris has done a few of them. And um, honestly, like it was, it totally just to connect in a different way. And then you're meeting people that are way older. And I remember Chris, you remember Ron and Sherry from like the UK and there was this older couple yeah. and yeah. they were doing Gideaco seminars for you know for years and they show would show up like every year right but then it's like ron and sherry are not greek and they greek dance like it's nobody's <laughs> business right and it's so amazing to to see that in some ways i'm a little envious of all these retirees i just like go to like greek dance workshops you know i don't know that i could rope my husband uh, into going to one when we retire but um yeah like i think it's amazing and it's if you've never done it consider doing it and if you have done it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then you should encourage other people to go do it. Yeah, we need, I, we need to do that. So I know I need to retire now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we can just do podcasting and dancing. Uh, I need a wealthy Sign boyfriend. All right. <laughs> me too. Me too. Oh, look. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna work on that. Let me agree for a couple of weeks for a workshop. Well, I'm I'm trying to like I'm trying to Greekify my boyfriend, but he's just like every time I sing Greek folklore, he's like, um, isn't that out of tune? You know. <laughs> oh, so R- yeah. Richard is pretty good. Chris can attest that Richard's pretty good. Like he was around when we did Anthemion, and so and he wasn't my husband yet. We were just dating. Uh, we weren't even engaged then. We got engaged that fall, but in, in May is when we did Anthemion. And so he, you know, came and, but one of my favorite stories, like as an aside was, um, was that Easter, the 2007 Easter, Richard asked me if he could come to church with us and we were just dating. And so, you know, like Holy Week was coming up and we had gone out and he was driving me home and he's like, Maria, he's like, I was kind of thinking it might be nice if I could come to like, you know, church service for Easter with with you and your family. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) You know, I thought, I think it might be nice. And I was like, I have to ask my parents if you can come to church with us, right? And so... You know, he, he dropped me off at home and I said, you want to come in? Like, you should come in and say hi. And so he came in and, you know, my mom's happy to see him. And so she's like tea. And so she's going to go make tea. And we're in the kitchen. I'm like, mom, I'm like, Richard asked if he can come to church for Easter. And my mom's like, oh. We have to ask your father, you know, and it's like a scene out of the Sopranos. I don't know. Like my dad's and like, you know, they're drinking their tea. And my mom says to my dad in Greek, oh, Richard, and my dad's like, oh, so he turns to Richard and he's like, so you want to come to church for Easter? And Richard's like, yeah, I think it'd be really nice. And so my mom's like, you need a suit. Do you have a suit? Oh. I'm going to tie this all together with Anthemion. Don't worry. So Richard's like, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I have one, but I, I need to get a new one. 
So he wanted to go shopping. And so my parents only had come to church, but we had in female rehearsal and the groups had come into town and it was like essentially the weekend before Easter. And so I, Richard went shopping with my mom to buy a suit. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's no wonder we, we got married. And he proposed, he was committed. And so, you know, my mom went, you know, to the Bay, which is like, you know, department store here. And so he bought a really nice suit and, you know, then he showed up to rehearsal and he was like, we're a nice time with your mom. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> Why are you hanging out with my mother? But it was a, it was a touching moment. And okay, yeah, that sounds like, so that sounds like a good one. I'll take one he's of a, those. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. Yeah, That's he's he's so very cute. supportive of my, uh, you know, like when I was teaching, you know, when I was learning, you know, a new program and I'm rehearsing in the basement. And at one point, I remembered I yelled out, "I need a handkerchief!" And like all of a sudden, he like comes in and he's like, "Here you go." And not like if only you could break dance, I could really use a partner right now like why don't you learn to help dialing chris chris come over (laughs) yeah so he's very supportive i think it's important to find someone friends that is supportive of but they don't have to you know love it the way you do but support you in your in your i mean that's i yeah you don't have to dance with me but don't get upset that i'm at dance practice every week (laughs) yeah exactly that's not gonna change yeah Yeah. (laughs) So good job, Richard, for for assisting in your. Richard's very solid. Yeah, he he's not a big <laughs> dancer, but at our wedding, he he took lessons before our wedding because he had been my like the year we got married in two thousand nine, and it was like the year everyone got married apparently, and so he had been to enough weddings to know like oh man, there's expectations. I need to be able to like Zemeckiko. I need to like Kalamatiano, whatever. And so he didn't like he knew that at some point that was going to happen, and so he took lessons and. He he like basically you know, he told his groomsman he's like okay when does the baggage comes on your job is to go get me drinks <laughs> and he danced it all like not all night but like it came on and he was so happy to do it and i was very happy obviously too because he was totally immersing himself right and it wasn't like shoved down his throat like you must do this like he genuinely like wanted to do it and so it was great and so but like you know i haven't seen him bust out as a becky call since 2009 <laughs> i don't think again <laughs> It was a one-time show. One-time show. That's what he said. He goes, why mess with a good thing, Maria? Like, it happened, and it was magical. He peaked. Uh, All right. Well. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. We're happy to do this again for any other topic. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't have to be folklore. I feel like we've touched on a few gems that if you ever want to unpack things or, like, have a panel discussion. I'm glad that I was able to, with Maria, you know, tell our story and kind of be like this is how dance is a, has been part of our lives but but guys honestly today's conversation was really great and Maria I haven't talked to you in like well I don't know probably this is the last time I think Arizona may have been the last time I spoke to you <laughs> I know that's probably one of my last few I have memories but oh my gosh really Arizona. great we touched upon so many different conversations but thank you Agapisto, 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 Agapis